You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. And every once in a while, I just get super jacked up doing the uh, doing the pod. I don't know what it is. By the way, this episode right here, I believe, is episode 1200. So hit a little bit of a milestone. I, I keep forgetting, especially doing the day before type stuff. Usually when I upload it, it is when I realize what the number is, so I always forget. But 1,200, man, that's... Uh, I still remember when I did episode 100, and I asked people if they'd be willing to donate a dollar. And I got like, probably like 20 bucks. Not just from dollars. I mean, some people, you know, here's 10 bucks for back pay or whatever. But I thought that was like the biggest thing in the world. I hit episode 100, I made like 20 bucks, and I remember thinking... I made that a thing for a while, like episode 200 was $2, and I kept doing it, and then it, you know, I remember thinking how exciting it's going to be when I get to episode 1,000, and somebody might give me like 10 bucks. It'd be pretty crazy. By the way, you're welcome to throw $12 at me if you'd like. It's it's up to you, but uh... <laughs> anyways, point is, every once in a while I get down here, I think having an office is kind of cool, too. It's just a cool environment, you know, it's just my, my element. Got the computer, got the ambiance, you know. I just kind of like leave the lights off and have my YouTube lights on. Just It's unnecessary because I'm not filming a video, but it just it feels cool. But uh, very happy, very excited to be here for no particular reason. There's nothing really super interesting going on. We're going to get to all the new news and notes and everything else. By the way, speaking of YouTube, um, I, I had my, my, I'll call my buddy, I guess. I always make fun of my wife because everybody she meets is her friend. And for me, it's the exact opposite. Like I've got two friends. But uh, Luke's been around for a long time. He's, he's helped me out on Patreon and everything else. But he just sent me a shout out about my Sunday stream. Luke, I appreciate that, by the way. I really do. I, I swear to you, I really do want to get more regular with these, these YouTube streams. It's just very difficult. Yesterday, we were gone all day. Didn't get home till like 9 o'clock, 9.30. Today, we've got like a puppy class, I guess, until 6.30, which would be ideal to come down here and do a stream after. But my wife is going to be gone. So I... Probably shouldn't abandon the kids. We'll see how it goes. She's bringing the baby. They'll probably be fine. But the point is, just so you know, I really am uh, trying to make that a thing. It, I, I, you want to talk about joy? I, I love those streams a lot. It's a lot of fun to hang out. And, and again, I'm going to try to plan for seven o'clock. So if you he- head over to the Packernet Podcast YouTube channel and hit the subscribe and the bell notification, you should get a thing that says when I go live. I had somebody mention to me that uh, they didn't get it until after the stream, and it was it was like an hour and a half long stream, so that's the most useless update in the world. But uh, that or the Packernet Podcast Facebook page, go over there, subscribe, follow, whatever. Hopefully one of them will give you a notification. Anyways, also I'm like 67 subscribers away from 4,000 subscribers on YouTube, so I mean, if you're, if, you're just, if you're just on YouTube at the moment while you're listening, just maybe just pop over and subscribe, that'd be great. 
But uh, starting with some general NFL-type news, um, kind of big news over in Dallas. Mr. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, their uh, premier pass rusher, has undergone foot surgery on Thursday. It says Lawrence will reportedly miss six to eight weeks as the organization remains hopeful he'll return at some point this year. With Randy Gregory on the COVID list and defensive tackle Neville Gallimore additionally out for two weeks and perhaps further, the Cowboys are impossibly tasked with pressuring Justin Herbert with a, without a handful of their most impactful pass rushers. Note that the total for that one has surged from 52 to 56 since initially opening at points bet, whatever. It doesn't matter. Point is, I thought the Cowboys looked kind of good. Not so much the defense necessarily, but I thought that offense looked potent. And you take that offense and put them against a team that isn't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I felt like they could do some damage. But it's just one of those things that I feel like it's starting to spiral. And um, because it's an NFC team and is maybe a competitor this year, although I don't know I don't know what Dallas is, I don't know what the Packers are, I don't know anything, but something to keep an eye on. Um, that's going to be pretty damaging to them. Speaking of, some Vikings updates. Um, Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, and Everson Griffin were absent from practice today, which would have been Thursday for you. Kendricks spoke earlier, but I'm hearing there's some concern over his potential availability for week two. Kendricks was not listed on Wednesday's injury report, so this could be something he's been playing through. So that's obviously extremely impactful. Um, Anthony Barr did not practice, as as was noted, but uh, he's not really the one that you're super worried about. Kendricks is the one that um, considering how much Zimmer really likes his linebackers and how good Eric Hendricks has been recently, even this past week one, uh, although the Vikings lost, he was still graded as, let me just get rid of some of the nonsense here. He was graded as the 20th best linebacker, which isn't overly great, but it's still a 70 overall grade. He's off to a good start, just like, you know, just like last year and the year before. And I think it's especially troubling for the Minnesota Vikings, considering they're facing the Arizona Cardinals. Um, The Cardinals, as you know, have an extremely athletic quarterback. And not only is it the coverage ability of the linebackers and the blitzing ability of the linebackers, but the ability to stop and contain Mr. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to be problematic. And and to be completely fair, as much as I've said that Kyler isn't really... um, as good as everyone makes him out to be, if he continues what he did week one, he's about to have his, uh, what's his name, Josh Allen breakout season this year because he was incredible. And some of those throws, if you go watch some of his highlight reels from week one, some of those were just stupid. I'm talking just stupid. And so it's entirely possible the uh, one of the bigger contenders in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings, are about to start 0-2. The, the, Vic- the Cardinals right now are actually three-and-a-half-point favorites. PFF has them at minus 4.2, the Cardinals. So in both cases, it's it's more than three points. So um, it's only week two, but we got some some injuries that are going to impact some games. And, and this is one of those, too, if you're if you're the Vikings, you know, for every team, you got those games where it's like, this is a this is an absolute must-win because the team is trash, like the Packers against the Lions, right? It's not going to get any easier than this. This has to be a win. You've got some where it's like, you're going to be a massive underdog, and we expect to lose, but if we can pull off a win, that'd be great. Then you got those middle-range games. Those are the ones that make all the difference, right? If you win all the easy ones and lose all the really hard ones, well, you got maybe four really easy ones, so that's four wins. You got maybe three really hard ones, so that leaves like 10 games. How you compete in those 10 games against those sort of semi-evenly matched teams is going to be really important in determining how good of a a season you're going to have and how good of a team you're going to be And so this is going to be a critical game, and it's only week two, and there's injuries that may impact their ability to pull this one off. The Vikings are going to be away also, 
So not super great there. Speaking of injuries, um, we got the Green Bay Packers Detroit Lions injury report, the first one of the week. Um, well, I'll start with the Lions because we'll save the best for last. Kevin Strong is out, not a super big deal. The one that is kind of a big deal, though, Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver, which, I mean, they're so far down the wide receiver depth chart, many of you don't really even know who he is. And I think in most cases, if I said Tyrell Williams is an undrafted free agent from 2015 that's played on now three different teams and, um, you know, has never really been that good of a football player outside of like one year in 2016 with the Chargers, probably wouldn't feel like this is a big loss. Unfortunately for the Lions, like I said, they're so depleted at wide receiver as far as guys that they lost and everything else last year and in free agency and everything. Um, Tyrell Williams is their starting wide receiver. He's the, not going to say number one, he's listed as, as one of the ones on uh, the depth chart, but I don't really know who they consider to be their number one, but he's, uh, he's one of their guys. He's one of the top guys for sure. Now, granted, TJ Hawkinson is their main guy, but we're not kind of, go- we're not going down the whole list right now. Point is they're already kind of depleted. And now Tyrell Williams is, um, kind of doubtful at this point. Otherwise, they're relatively healthy as far as the chart here goes. A bunch of limiteds. We'll have to see how that goes. For the Packers, um, full participation was Josh Myers. He had a finger injury, apparently, but he's good to go. Limited participation, we've got Tyler Lancaster with a back and ankle injury. you got Darnell Savage with a shoulder injury, and you've got Vernon Scott with a hamstring injury. Three of our players did not participate. Zadarius Smith with his back injury. I have not heard anything that would uh, suggest that this is a new or worsening condition. I think it's he's continuing to recover. Hopefully he's not taking a step back. Um, but I haven't, again, I haven't heard anything about that. Lucas Patrick did not practice with a concussion as uh, with Josiah DeQuara. Both of those guys are in the concussion protocol right now. And again, I have not heard anything in terms of uh, timelines. In other semi-injury related news, Jerry Montgomery, the Green Bay Packers defensive tackle coach, um, is now, he has tested positive for COVID-19. It's not 100% that he will not be back with the team. He has to have two negative tests within 24 hours of each other or something crazy like that. So there is time, barely enough time, if he is able to produce a negative test for him to be there for the game. Um, I think the the bigger issue right now is he has to be away from the team and probably from the facility right now until he can get cleared, um, which is not going to be super beneficial. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sure it's pretty standard operating procedure what's going to happen right here um and again if it if if winning and losing comes down to your defensive tackle coach on the sideline giving you a pep talk or or kind of showing you a couple things on film then you know this is this is going to be a little bit too close for comfort anyway but still not a great thing um and actually to be completely honest I'm I'm glad so far because as I've said I'm not super a big fan of the way that they're handling the COVID situation as far as mitigation and whatnot uh, we're also very, very lucky because the Saints, immediately after the game, like half their coaching staff was tested positive. So there was a lot of concern about the Green Bay Packers possibly having a bunch of positive tests. And again, my biggest concern in all this is, I and, and again, I don't know the rule, and if anybody does, if you can enlighten me, that would be fantastic. But my concern is, let's say a guy like Jerry Montgomery catches the virus. It spreads through the facility, and somebody who is unvaccinated catches COVID. Do we have to forfeit a game? Because the, the rule is if COVID basically runs rampant through the team to where they cannot play, you have to forfeit. And if it comes into, if, if it's basically transmitted to the team through an unvaccinated player, 
then you you know it's basically your fault or whatever. But they're not going to know. You don't know who started it. All you're going to do is you're going to say that this team basically can't play, and a bunch of people have COVID, and some of your people are unvaccinated. And I I just am envisioning them pointing the finger and saying this is your fault for not being vaccinated, and so you're going to be punished as a result, even if that's not exactly how it happened. I don't know. I'm hopeful that we never have to find that out. I don't want any can not just for the Packers for for any team. I mean, it just it throws a wrench in everything, and so I am hopeful that that just doesn't happen and that with uh you know aggressive enough testing as unfortunate it is for the players to have to go through that if you can catch it before it starts to spread through the whole team and just take measures you know at the facility and whatnot with you know maybe just not a lot of let's all huddle in uh into a motel room and hang out and like breathe at each other real heavy it's getting weird but you get the idea but um again two weeks in and it looks like we're going to be clear to go here and the fact that it really i mean the saints are about as bad as we've heard and it's just the coaching staff, which is kind of shocking. And so far, it's only been coaching staff that I've I've really heard of, aside from a few players, maybe. But the only reason that's a good thing is the coaches have to be vaccinated, so there won't be any issues. So I have not yet heard about an unvaccinated player catching it and spreading it. And, you know, I guess I'm just worried about what's going to happen when that happens, and I can't imagine it not happening. But so far, so good. I was extremely pessimistic last year, too, and it turned out okay, so... Anyways, a couple other things here. Shout out to uh, Jake, who's going to be trying to help me with some notes and and whatnot. I'm not sure if his work schedule is going to be super conducive to this, but he's looking to help out with the podcast. And so he's going to be the Packernet podcast researcher for now. But uh, he shot me over a text. It was actually yesterday as I was recording. So I could have told you yesterday, but I kind of was kind of in a groove and I just kind of moved over it. But apparently you can protect players on the practice squad and call me an idiot for not knowing this. It should, I should, if anybody should know this, it should be, you know, a, a podcaster who's supposed to know stuff. I didn't know that, but you can, and the Packers have made their decisions. Maybe this is a new thing. I don't know. They're going to be protecting kicker Molson, quarterback Benkert, and long snapper Wirtel. I do, I don't know. I don't know how much to read into that, but Two of those guys are special teamers. <laughs> Bankard, I guess, kind of makes sense. They, I think, I just think they really like him. Um, talented guy, and if there is any amount of strong possibility that Rodgers is not here next year, which I would rather not say that sentence too many more times this year, but it is what it is, it would be nice to have Kurt on the roster along with Jordan Love, you know, to kind of start building out our quarterback group. Um, the Wirtel and Molson thing kind of confuses me. As far as the long snapper goes, I just wonder if maybe they're still working the guy out and they're planning on cutting our guy and move. I, I, I don't know. I just It seems weird to even have a long snapper and a kicker on the practice squad, much less to use some protection rule for them. But obviously, the, the biggest one here is, is the kicker. Now, the only reason I bring that up is because it seems evident to me that the Packers want to move on from Mason Crosby. They've been trying to do that for several years. Um, as dark and devious as that may sound, it's just part of the process. You know, when guys get older and they get more expensive, your number one job is to find their replacement. And so we've been bringing in kickers every single year, and uh, basically it's hard to find good kickers, and we also happen, happen to have one of the best ones in all of football. So finding an actual replacement that you're comfortable with is very rare. But I kind of get the feeling that maybe you like this Molson guy, and it may actually be similar to the Kurt Benkert situation where next year they're just not going to bring back Mason and that's just not going to happen. And so they're kind of going to have maybe a competition with the guy Molson who they really like and are going to hang on to through next year. And probably when the time comes, 
they're going to end up, you know, signing him. I forget what the, what is that called? I don't know. And so I, that that would just be my first thought. Obviously, there's there's a couple different scenarios that could be playing out. Maybe it's just a just in case kind of thing, or maybe it's you know time is officially up after this year and we have to have somebody. And I don't know. You don't know for sure. I mean, you could well. What are you going to do? Draft somebody in the fifth round just to make sure you find somebody. You don't know who's going to be available. You don't know if there's any good kickers that are going to be available. So the point is, if you have one that you like and you feel like we can use this guy, but you don't want to just boot Mason Crosby, you stash him for a year. Just a thought. Anyways, one more thing before we get to the break. I had this sent over uh, via JJ. I've kind of talked about it a little bit without any actual data. And again, having a little bit of data on it is always nice. But here is uh, the thing that uh, JJ sent. It says, with most of last year's key players back on the roster, but 13 rookies and first-year players added to the team, the Packers continue to field one of the league's youngest teams. This year, they're lining up with the 10th youngest team. Use the word team a lot. Since Ted Thompson took over as general manager in 2005 and through the first four teams assembled by Brian Gutekunst, the Packers have fielded a roster younger than the league average every single season. In fact, other than 2017, Green Bay has fielded one of the 10 youngest rosters every season. In that lone exception, it was 11th. While tight end Mercedes Lewis, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, and kicker Mason Crosby are 37, and the team added offensive tackle Dennis Kelly, 31, and receiver Randall Cobb, 31, and Detroit only the Detroit Lions, 15, and the New York Jets, 14, have more rookies and first-year players than Green Bay. On the other side of the age spectrum... Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Arizona Cardinals are tied for the league-wide with 16 players aged 30 and over. Chicago and Baltimore have 13 apiece. Green Bay has the aforementioned five. I bring it up because there's a lot of talk about the imminent collapse of the Green Bay Packers, but these, not everything hinges on the quarterback. It's a major contributor, and make no mistake, if the Packers don't get the quarterback question right, the team is in a lot of trouble. And maybe Aaron Rodgers stays, whatever, doesn't matter. The point is, though, if you're talking about the future, you're talking about young talent. That's the biggest factor. You know, when you look at other teams, for example, they mentioned Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is extremely talented. But it's not just when Tom leaves, they're in trouble because Tom left. When Tom leaves, they're in trouble because everybody leaves. And I listen, I'm not going to get into a debate about is it worth it or anything. Of course, everybody wants Super Bowls and all that. But there's a lot of talk about the Packers and how they, they are headed for this imminent collapse and that without Aaron Rodgers, it's a terrible team. It's not. In terms of young talent, this is one of the best teams in football. Again, we need the coaches to be able to put them in the right spots to succeed. We need guys that can lead. We need all this, these different things. And most importantly, we do need to make sure we get that quarterback box checked. But that's every team. Not every team has done as good of a job building such a young and talented roster as the Green Bay Packers have. I've mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. Listen, they, they've got talent and they can do certain things, but the majority of their talent are guys that are very, very old, right? They got a relatively young running back, although in running back years, he's basically like 30. They've got uh, an incredibly young, gifted wide receiver, got, you know, a couple pieces along the offensive line, although nothing super special. And then Daniil Hunter is the big one. Otherwise, not much. Again, the the real premier talent, you got, uh, well, their, their quarterback is old, similar to a lot of the other teams we're talking about. One of their wide receivers is old, Thielen. Uh, the safeties who they've already purged, the, the one remaining top-end safety, uh, Harrison Smith, he's like 32. The defensive line is extremely old. The linebackers are getting old. The corners are basically old rentals. So so when you look at eminent collapse, you're looking at that kind of stuff. And the Chicago Bears, and I was, I was actually excited. I don't remember what I was watching. 
there was a uh, somebody, I think it was on Twitter, and I just decided to click on it and listen for a second, but somebody actually pointed out what I've been saying for probably a couple years now, and that is by the time Justin Fields takes over, they're not going to have a defense because this team continues to erode and erode and erode and erode and erode. They don't have young talent. That's a problem. Listen, I'm, I am worried about Justin Fields. You know, Bears fans always, yeah, you're scared. You're scared. Yeah, I am. I, of course I am. I'm always scared. I'm scared the Lions next year are going to draft the next Pat Mahomes. I, I, I don't know that it's going to happen, but it's, it's a concern, and the Vikings could do it too. You never know. And Justin Fields could be the next Pat Mahomes. I, you know, whatever. Or Russell Wilson. Or Aaron Rodgers, if we want to get blasphemous. But that's not the only thing that matters. And there should be some level of solace in what the Packers have been able to do. And there are several questions in regard to how good of a job has Brian Gutekunst done. And we're starting to answer some of those questions now. And uh, I had somebody kind of throw a couple things in my face that, you know, I, I think the 2020 class looked a lot better last year than it does this year when you factor in, for example, Kamal being completely gone, Stepniak retiring, uh, Runyon getting demoted, Josiah getting hurt again. All right, there's a lot of problems. I mean, when you looked at it the first time, it was like, we might have a star at quarterback. Who knows? Uh, we seemingly have a star at running back. Josiah is probably going to be great when he gets back on the field. Kamal was our highest graded linebacker in, in via PFF and on the entire team. Runyon is a starting guard. You know what I mean? So it, the answers are still being, the questions are still being answered. But overall, when you look at the quality of the roster and the youth, and the the Quality and youth, it's it's really quite incredible what the Packers have. Who's the 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 most talented young player for the Chicago Bears that you can think of? Or the Detroit Lions? Who would that be? Maybe their quarterback. I don't know. We'll see. But but okay, other than that, the only talented wide receiver they have, Allen Robinson, is old. What about offensive line? There was a time when you would say that they've got some young, talented guys like Cody Whitehair or James Daniels. But not only are they starting to age, but they're not very good anymore. Cole Komet has not done anything. Jimmy Graham is 500 years old. Maybe David Montgomery. Maybe. And how good is he? Is he top five? Is he top 10? Is he top 15? Eddie Goldman's a very good player. You could probably argue Roquan, maybe. And I'm, I'm not going to give you Eddie Jackson. But I mean, even those guys that I listed, who's a top 10 player? I don't think Eddie Goldman is a top 10 defensive tackle. He might be. He's, he's good. But there's a lot of defensive tackles in the NFL. I don't know if David Montgomery is in the top 10. I don't, man, my face got locked up on that one. Who's top 10? The Vikings have a top 10 wide receiver, maybe. And then you look over at the Packers. They got Elton Jenkins. Is anybody going to dispute he's a top 10 something? Potentially a top 10 tackle? Josh Myers, it's still too early to tell, but he had a great first week. That was a big hit. Royce Newman is still a question mark, but seemingly a good pick. I don't know what the cutoff for young is. I, I probably was being a little unfair with the young thing for the other teams, so I'll try not to take too many liberties, but just uh, um, Robert Tunyon is 27. Maybe maybe we'll make 26 the cutoff, because I, I did mention Dalvin Cook. Possibly Jordan Love. A.J. Dillon looks like a very good running back. Kenny Clark. Kenny somehow is still 25. He's the next Randall Cobb. I mean, every time you look at his age, it's like, you got to be kidding me. He's 25, very young. Rashawn, we still got to see what he can do, but again, Week one, he's off to a great start. If he continues what he's doing, he's going to be one of the top pass rushers in the league. Jair Alexander was the number one corner last year. He does not seem to have lost a step. Darnell Savage, still don't know 100% what he's going to be in the long run. Is he going to continue to ascend? Is he going to be a Hall of Fame safety, or is he going to be just a capable guy? Is he going to regret? I don't know, but he's looking pretty talented. 
Heck, our punter, Bajorquez, is 25 years old. He could be on the team for the next 10 years for all we know. If things work out, why not? So, I mean, listen, after last week and with this whole offseason thing, there's a whole lot of reasons to be pessimistic and upset, and I'm 100% understanding of all those things, but there are also a lot of reasons to be optimistic and um, to understand that this is a high-quality roster. We just need to depend on our coaches to be able to put it together and um, put all these guys in the right spot to succeed. Um, I know Matt LaFleur can do that. I know he'll be able to work. Even if Jordan Love is not Aaron Rodgers, he'll be able to put him in a position to succeed. The defense remains a question mark, and we got to see what Joe Barry can do. But we've got plenty of youth. We have time on our side. And if Joe Barry's not the guy, Joe Barry's not the guy. But as long as Gutekunst is able to continue to find players like he's been able to find players up to this point, I think we're in good hands. Got a couple thank yous over on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so most easily over at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Thank you very much to Mr. Jordan Woodward for bumping up his pledge, as well as Mr. Cody Shepard. Cody's been around for a while. Thank you very much for jumping in on the Patreons. But anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a little break? We'll come back and I want to look at some interesting statistics and things that I found in regard to our upcoming matchup with the Detroit Lions. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Again, if you follow me on Twitter... um You've already seen me say this, but uh, I kind of wanted to give it to you in person. So what I wanted to do was kind of look at this game upcoming and say, what are our odds? And it's, it's been a lot of fun kind of just digging through this because 
Um, even some of the things I've looked at that I've talked about on this podcast have kind of shocked me in terms of how many times we win, how many times we lose, in which case we win, in which case, blah, 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 right? Should be doing this more often, especially when I make my picks, because it's going to give me a much more informed, um, you know, decision on picks and whatnot. Look out for that on Sunday. But these are a, a semi-unique set of circumstances. For example, it's Monday night football, and so I wanted to look at how do the Packers do on, on Monday night football, and it kind of just spiraled from there. So my tweet is as follows. Packers had a bad week one. With that said, since Matt LaFleur took over, they are 3-0 and on Monday night football. So let's pause there. Those three games, for uh, your reference, the earliest was against Detroit. So only three times they've done it since Matt LaFleur has taken over. One of them was against Detroit. Packers won that one, obviously, 23-22. to So it was very, very close. And that's sort of the nuance that I wanted to go over with you here, as opposed to just kind of throwing out overly positive type stuff on Twitter. The second one was also in 2019. This was December 23rd against the Minnesota Vikings. The Green Bay Packers annihilated them 23-10. to That was in Minnesota, by the way, which is another kind of an interesting thing. And then uh, last year, there was only one Monday night football game. That was uh, at home against the Atlanta Falcons in week four. We beat them 30-16. to Now, the, the, there's kind of good and bad here. And the one thing I also want to address, the most recent comment I got on this was from uh, Mr. David Farrell. Um, He said, past results are not indicators of current and future success. Every day is a new day. I generally lean in that direction. I don't like looking into the past to predict the future. However, there are a lot of trends that occur. For example, we're starting to understand a, a rhythm of this team. Certain things they do well, certain things they don't, right? And there's also things like Kirk Cousins doesn't do well on Monday Night Football, right? Just weird little things like that that exist. And the better you understand that, you know, the more things make sense. I don't know if I went over the home and away record, but I'm, I, well, anyways, it's, it's in this tweet, so we'll get there. But it's pretty staggering. When you look at at home, it's the Packers dominate at home. And it doesn't feel that way because we just lost to Tampa. And so it's like, yeah, sure we do. We thought that just a few months ago and look what happened. But they really do. And so my response to him was more or less that that's true if we're talking about a coin flip. That's true if we're talking about a roll of the dice. It's true about anything in which each of the variables are the exact same. These variables are not the exact same. These are two different teams, and each team has their own little weird quirks, right? That's why we discuss these things. That's why we talk about the quality of the opponent. That's why we talk about the location. That's why we talk about weather. That's why we talk about wind speed. That's why we talk about all these different things that factor things, and and they factor people differently. Like, Aaron, you know, Again, Aaron Rodgers maybe is more affected by um, heat than other players. Just made that up off the top of my head, but, you know, there's that. Um, Away games. You could say that the Packers are more impacted by away games than other teams. I don't know for sure that that's true, and I don't even know how you would necessarily go about... um, You'd probably have to look at the difference in win percentage at home and away, I think would be the best way to do that. What is the percentage difference of win percentage and lose percentage home and away? But again, it, it it does mean something. And you got two things kind of colliding here. It's at home and it's Monday night football. And, and we're talking about bright lights, national football. Now, the one thing that's concerning is Detroit 22 to 23. And the fact that Detroit always plays us real close and it's always super scary. However, we're 4-0 against Detroit, which is another part of this tweet. So as much as it's always scary and as much as it's always terrible and as much as we always go into that game thinking, man, we're going to dominate. We're just going to tear them up. We're going to kill those guys. And then it's too close, and then we end up thinking that it's just a terrible team. Again, at the end of the day, the Packers perform well when the bright lights are on. They perform well when they're at home. In fact, they're 16-3 and when they're at home. In uh, you know the, the two years that they've been there, only three times have they lost at home. 
one of them obviously was Tampa, which was painful. One of them was kind of a fluky Thursday against Philadelphia, and then one of them was Minnesota. That The one against Minnesota is the one that kind of stands out as that was just a legitimate, they just beat us. By the way, when we actually do lose at home, it's a bad loss. Philadelphia beat us 53-34, to uh, Minnesota beat us 41-27, to and Tampa beat us 48-33. to the, 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 the constant here is the defense, right? The offense scored 27, 33, and 34. The defense gave up 41, 48, and 53. But when you factor in that technically Tampa, that playoff game was in January, we've only lost once at home every year. Philadelphia was 2019, Minnesota was 2020, Tampa was 2021. There's one other factor I wanted to look at, um, and it's the simple fact that the Green Bay Packers are massive favorites in this game. At this point, the Packers are still sitting at 11.5 point favorites. There's only been three games where they've been this big of favorites. Um, in uh, 2019, in December, we played Washington. We were 13 point favorites. Uh, we ended up beating them 20 to 15. In 2019, we also played Detroit. We beat them 23 to 20. And then in 2020, we were 13 and a half point favorites against Jacksonville, beat them 24 to 20. Now, the concerning thing here would be the fact that it's very close and we never covered the spread one time when we've been this big a favorite. However, we've also never lost. You say, well, it's only three games. It's a small sample size. Well, that's fair, which is why I backed it out a little bit. When we are six-point favorites, six points or better, the Green Bay Packers are 12-0. and So if they're giving us about a touchdown or a little under a touchdown to win the game, the Packers have never lost that game. So again, it kind of comes back to what we talked about yesterday where we could talk about really good coaches or this, that, or the other. It's really just really good teams. Whenever the Packers go up against a team that they're expected to beat, they pretty well beat them. You know, even if you look back at that Philadelphia Eagles game and you think, dude, you lost to Philadelphia and you got killed, that's kind of pathetic. We were only three and a half point favorites in that game. So this is not the Philadelphia Eagles of today. This is really stout defensive line doing what these teams always do to us. They beat us with a tough defensive line that we can't push out of the way. They play coverage. We can't run the ball. They get good pressure. Game over. The biggest point spread in our favor that we actually lost was five and a half points to the Minnesota Vikings uh, November of 2020, when we lost 28 to 22. Otherwise, the biggest spread is four points in our favor against the Chargers. That's it. All these others are three or three and a half. We had three and a half against New Orleans, three against Tampa, three and a half against Philly, like I said, three against Tampa, three and a half against Detroit. In terms of games where we're expected to lose, where the, the we are not the favorites in that game, the Packers are five and three. So not great, but above 500 in beating teams that, according to Vegas, are better than we are. And I mean, I basically alluded to it at this point, having gone through everything, but it's also worth noting that the Packers' record when facing the NFC North is 11-1. and Now, some people did point out the negative implications of all this. Um, As I said, somebody kind of pointed out that it's, you know, not necessarily that it has to follow, which is true. Some people pointed out that that means the Packers are due, which is another thing that isn't necessarily true. But the thing I think that concerns me the most is it really shows how, based on all available information, this is a Packers win, right? Based on any and all information, which is exactly why Vegas has this at minus 11.5, because every statistical variable that they have, on top of looking at the roster construction, on top of looking at every very, you know, the quarterbacks, the whatever, any and all variables, you know, on, on a matchup basis, our offensive line versus their defensive line, vice versa, wide receiver corner, corner wide receiver, the Packers match up better than 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 
every single matchup with the exception of our linebackers and TJ Hawkinson, which is wildly in the Lions' favor, or even safeties for that matter. Hawkinson's pretty good. The part of it that that concerns me, though, is what is the implication? And granted, sometimes stuff just happens, doesn't have to mean anything, but what is the implication if the Packers lose this game? I think it has some pretty serious implications. Um, Number one, every single thing that I listed off changes. Suddenly, all those records change. Have never lost this, never lost that. But it points to a change in the identity of the team. Because the team that we know, the 2019-2020 Green Bay Packers with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and that whole thing, everything that I read to you explains what was, right? This is the, this is, this is that team. And if it still is that team, which is why I said these things matter, because if we're still talking about the same team, which we should be, there's every reason to believe this is a win. If they don't win, that's when you start to wonder if there is something foundationally different about this team. We're already questioning it with week one, but you kind of can put it off for a couple different reasons. All right, it's one of those weird, fluky, away things. It's in Florida, which again, I don't really see a huge correlation there, but apparently they don't like Florida. And good team, good coach, on the road. Guys didn't show up. It happens. This time it just happened in week one. You know, you, you can kind of find reasons. You know, didn't play in the preseason, uh, off-season drama, all these different things that we can put in as excuses. How many excuses do we have if we lose to the Saints team that is viciously depleted and then lose to the Lions on Monday night, which we never lost, on home, which at home, which we never hardly ever lose, to the Lions, which we've never lost to? And this is the worst Lions team we've seen in a very long time. Their wide receivers are way worse than what we're used to with Galladay. Quarterback is worse. So I don't want to put any negative juju on it or anything, but it just is what it is. If this is still the same team that we know and love, and there's no deep-seated issues, there's no serious locker room issues, there's no serious Aaron Rodgers issues, there's no serious head coaching issues, flukes aside, which again, there's still a possibility that, you know, very, very good team, but uh, second fluke in a row. But we're getting to the point where statistically it's becoming very improbable that there's nothing to see here. So I don't want to be overly dramatic and say this is a must win, but it's absolutely a game where if they lose, some serious introspection is in order. And that really was the biggest reason for, for reading off all that. Not to just brag and show you how, how, how I know we're definitely going to win, like I did with the Saints this entire last week. Look at all this information, that's how I know we're going to win. I don't know anything. I just know that we should. I just know that the 2019 and 2020 Packers would beat this team. I know that because we've done it. And this is, this is even more in our favor. Again, we, we beat them on the road. This is at home. Now to be clear, it doesn't have to be a pretty win necessarily. A lot of the times when we beat the lions, I mean, I'm I'm asking too much. If, if we win, you know, 24 to 20, I'm not going to be super stoked about it because I'm still looking at a terrible lions team, but, but that's the nature of the lions. It is what it is. I'll get over it. Still is going to be some questions, still going to be some angry Packer fans, but I'll take the W. And and at that point, I'm reading too much, I'm reading into stats that don't exist. You know, if, if I expect a win, that's fine because I have information, but I don't have information that says we should blow out the Lions because that's not something we very regularly do, even a very bad Lions team. But I do expect a win. I do expect the team to look competent. I do expect the team to compete. I expect them to step up in big situations. I expect to see guys 
Um, you know, even if some guys aren't showing up, somebody's going to play superhero, whether it's Rodgers coming up clutch on third down or uh, Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams or somebody to step up when the game's on the line and make it all count. Because that's what the better team should do. Even if it's down to the wire, which it probably will be, unfortunately. It's the nature of being a Packers fan, especially Packers-Lions. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.